You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to at theleap.substack.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Subscribe to Locked on Packers on YouTube, where you might be watching this as we speak, or at least as I speak. And if you haven't checked it out, you should do that because we're going to be live. We've worked out the kinks. We're going to be live tomorrow on YouTube, 530 Central, 630 Eastern to get you ready with the injury report and everything. We won't have the final injury report because it's a Monday game, but we'll still take your questions and we will have some fun. Uh, Looking for a Sunday pregame show that talks about every game and every team in depth. Check out the Locked On NFL show live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. No sketches, no celebrity cameos, no fluff, just football every Sunday morning with Cody Rourke and Ross Jackson. Follow and subscribe to Locked On NFL on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And don't forget to turn your notifications on to be notified when the show goes live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. Matt Derry on the show, uh, a Locked On Packers, Locked On Lions event. It's always an event when we get to talk to Matt. So without further ado, let's, let's do that. Let's, let's hit this crossover episode for Packers and Lions on Monday night football. Crossover Thursday is back for week two Packers and Lions on Monday night football. I, of course, am Peter Bukowski from Locked on Packers joining me as he does always when these two teams square off Matt Derry from Locked on Lions. And Matt, these are two teams who come in 0-1, but feeling very differently about how week one played out because the Packers, they get thrashed by the Saints and showed no fight at all. And yet the Lions, who at one point were getting thrashed, they make this incredible valiant comeback. Jared Goff (laughs) is slinging the rock around. Quintez Cephas is making toe-tap catches in the end zone. Dan Campbell's biting kneecaps. It's the full Lions experience. So... As I said, these teams feel very differently about about what happened in week one. How do you feel about what happened in week one? Pete, would you stop with the kneecap biting? I mean, come on. I mean, I won't. It's me. You know, you never will. And uh, and that's I love you for it. And it's good to be back. Good to be back with you. All right. So uh, this is this is insanity in this town because you know it's just such a roller coaster and it continues to be a roller coaster, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, I think the team feels good about the comeback. But I like what Jared Goff said the other day. He said, "What comeback? We didn't win." So. You know, they got manhandled up front, especially early. Mostert goes out. Sermon's inactive. Uh, I don't even remember the third stringer's name. He's running for 100-plus for the Niners. And it just was one of those days where you look up and you say, wow, there is a giant talent discrepancy. It's about what we expected. It's 38 to 10 in the third. This thing's, you know, this thing's done. And the Lions did fight back. So you do see the Dan Campbell stamp of semi-approval that the players are going to play hard. They're never going to quit. They're never going to die, but there's still so many holes. And now you take Jeffrey Okuda off the roster for the remainder of the season with the Achilles. That's a big problem. So 
uh, especially this weekend, um, but uh, or on Monday. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think fans are, are, are excited to see some fight, but I don't think we learned that much uh, last Sunday other than the Niners are much better than Detroit. We knew the Lions would need more talent. Uh, we did learn that Panay Sewell can play left tackle. That's for sure. The the talent part of it, though, they can't fix going into the season. I mean, we knew the talent to be a playoff team was probably not on this roster, right? We didn't know what the Dan Campbell experience would look like other than it would be wildly entertaining in press conferences. Do you think we did learn anything in, in week one? Because I have to say I came away impressed with their fight. Um, well, like I said, I mean, I think Sewell played pretty well. He was supposed to be the right tackle. Taylor Decker's out for a while. So they moved Panay over to the left side and he did a whale of a job on Nick Bosa. So that's mm -hmm. a positive. Uh, he'll play there as long as Decker comes back. Dan Campbell said he's not, not sure what they're going to do when Decker comes back, but Taylor Decker signed for a long time. Here's what I, this is a topic here because people are saying, just leave Sewell on the left side and keep him there for 10 years. But you've got Decker signed for four or five more years. Right. Uh, Sewell was bad in the preseason on the right side, but he's been rusty and played last year. So I don't know. I don't think they know either. But uh, there is some decent young talent that they drafted that you can see. Aleem McNeil, uh, Onzerike didn't play in the first game. Hopefully we'll play on Monday. Uh, Melifanwu now. If Iatu Melifanwu is going to have to replace um, uh, Jeffrey Okuda, he was okay in the first game, but his name wasn't called much. But what else do we learn? They still can't get to the passer. Uh, pass rush has been a problem. The linebackers still can't cover tight ends. Uh, and, and they've got issues at safety, especially with, with Will Harris. So we'll have to wait and see where this, this, this whole thing goes. Jared Goff was, was really bad in the first half, but then mm -hmm. in, 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 you know, stat Padford time late, he was good. <laughs> so is that just the Lions tradition. times? Exactly. But, uh, I like the running game too. I gotta be honest, uh, Pete, uh, Jamal Williams, who, you know, very well. And Deandre Swift's a nice one, two punch. They did play well. So if they can get the ground game established against that vaunted Joe Barry defense on Monday night, we mm. might have a game. Yeah. Lions fans know all too well what Joe Barry can do for a defense. So I wanted to ask you about the Jeff Okuda thing because he unfortunately is going to miss uh, the rest of the season. He was looking to have a bounce back year from a tough rookie season. Uh, most rookies are bad and nearly all rookie corners are bad. So I was not worried about Jeff Okuda coming into year two and, and now he's going to lose this whole season. How do they have to change? You, you mentioned Ifatu Melifanwu from, from the Qs. You and I, uh, obviously fans of his automatically because of that. Uh, and how does that change the way they have to play defense, if at all? I don't think it's going to change the way they play defense. Let, let's be honest here. Uh, Jeffrey Okuda was not playing well. And right. there's this narrative around Allen Park that, oh, he's much better than he was a year ago. And he lost his entire training camp in summer last year due to COVID. And, and he was a rookie. Give him a break. Sure, I get that. Cool. Rookie corners go through tough times. This year, I saw some breakdowns in preseason. Uh, I saw the breakdown in week one where uh, uh, Debo Samuel toasted him and and didn't and, and he couldn't find the football and Samuel goes for a touchdown. That's on Okuda. Uh, you know, there, there were receivers wide open all day on the entire secondary, not just Okuda. From a player development standpoint, this sucks because you do <laughs> want to see what you have and you want to see if the number three overall pick from two years ago can play. 
there was the uh, sideline incident with Aubrey Pleasant, the defensive backs coach that was a Fox uh, 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 shot and everybody saw mm-hmm. where Pleasant was really getting in on, uh, in his face and screaming at him, do your job six times and wagging his finger. That wasn't a good look for Okuda. But again, then later on, they showed the two hugging it out. So who knows? But losing an entire year of him, it, it's bad for development. Uh, will it change how the Lions play defense? I'm not so sure. They're already playing more zone in one game that they played all of the Matt Patricia era, and that's going to yeah. help young corners. You can't put Melifonwu and man all day against Adams and, and, and the Packers wide receivers, or, or they'll put up a 50-burger. So offensively, you mentioned Jamal Adams. He had uh, over 100 total yards um, and, and was the, the kind of solid, steady player that we'd seen in Green Bay. They, they get contributions from, from everyone. TJ Hawkinson has to be a featured uh, player in this offense. I, I mentioned Quintez Cephas, who, who had the toe-tap touchdown. Offensively, the, the offensive line looks like the strongest part of the team with a run game. But who are the guys that that Packer fans are going to have to keep an eye on in this passing game? Who is Jared Goff going to be getting the ball to? Well, I mean, I, I'd be stunned if seventy-five, if less than seventy-five percent of the throws are 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 going to go to anybody not named Williams, Swift. And Hawkinson, they mm. just don't have any faith in the receivers. You and I talked uh, in the season preview with our NFC North uh, compadres there about how bad that receiving core is, and it's brutal. Yeah. Uh, they've added Trinity Benson. He he. You made that name catches. up, Matt. Matt, you made that name I, up. No, it's real. It's real. It's real and spectacular. That's an awesome name. That is a spectacular <laughs> name. I mean, they go out and they get two receivers right at you know at the end of the waiver wire uh, time. Trinity Benson and Kaderil Hodge. Hodge didn't play in week one. I, I would expect him to play this week, and then for for them to give him a chance, especially if Tyrell Williams is out with a concussion, which is possible. He's in in the protocol. But yeah, I mean, Hawkinson's really good. And he should be targeted like Darren Waller was targeted last Monday. Mm. If the man, if the Manning brothers on ESPN two had fun with Waller getting 19 targets this week, Hawkinson should be targeted between 15 and 20 times. He's wow. that good, but they just, and some of that is TJ's good. Some of that is that the receivers just can't get open yeah. and aren't really that good. I mean, they, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown's a rookie. You mentioned Cephas played well at the end of the game, but for the first three quarters, you didn't even know he was on the field. Uh, Benson will see that there's not a, it's not a ton of material there. They're, they're learning about what they have uh, at that spot. But I would expect a lot of checkdowns, uh, crossing stuff with, with Swift out of the backfield. Jamal Williams can catch it too. Uh, that's that's what I would expect uh, come Monday night. Do you feel like uh, the Packers would be smart to try and pressure Jared Goff? I mean, we've seen over the years that that is a, a way to to make him work, but it's also leaving your your cornerbacks vulnerable to, to one-on-one coverage. I mean, to me... It seems like if I'm Joe Barry, uh, I'm, I'm bringing some heat against Jared Goff and hoping that this banged up offensive line can't hold up. Well, Joe Barry was so bad <laughs> in Detroit. Anytime I hear that name, I got, I have flashbacks to yeah. 07 and 08, which were just uh, 08, 09, which were just a disaster as defensive coordinator. And then his defenses in 15 and 16 in Washington were very good. But here he is getting a third chance. Yeah, I mean, you pressure golf. I, 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 you know, I, I think that that would be a, a smart move. Uh, the question is, you know, when you look at if they pick up the blitz and the offensive line is pretty good. Rag now at center is really good. Sewell looked good. You know, Jack Jonah Jackson at left guard's fine. The right side's a little shaky. 
I'd be attacking Matt Nelson at right tackle. He had a real rough day against Eric Armstead last week and Bosa to an extent when Bosa moved over. Uh, that's where I would send that heat is that right side. Um, but I don't think there's anything. I don't know if it's a lock that Nelson starts again after a, a rough day last uh, last Sunday. All right, a lot more to get to with Matt and I on the Packers and the Lions for Monday night. We will do that in just a second. But before we do, let's talk about our friends at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts your car needs in a traditional train storefront. So why, why deal with the nonsense? It is so obnoxious to go into the store and have to talk to the guy behind the counter and let him decide, yeah, I, I got this one back here. And then that's it. You got to pick that one or you have to move on. And chances are you're not going to move on. Why not? Go to rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have a unique and remarkably easy to navigate catalog. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands and prices you prefer. That's the thing about Rock Auto. They don't charge a different price if you're a professional or a do-it-yourselfer. It is one low price for everybody. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. I'm Matt and Peter with you. Locked on crossover on this Thursday. Lions will play the Packers for Monday night football. Peter, of course, the, hot, uh, the host of Locked on Packers right here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Matt Derry with you on Locked on Lions. Peter, I don't know. You tell me where we should start here. That was a stunner. I know that there were some fans coming home from the game on Sunday, and I was doing my postgame pod. I look up, and it's 14-3 or whatever, 20. And it's like, wait a minute. The Packers are getting whooped by Jameis Winston and the, and the Saints. What what happened? They didn't show up. I mean, we say that when, when teams lose and they lose in embarrassing fashion, but they just didn't show up. No one showed up to play. Not the offense, not the defense. Uh, uh, you know, their new punter, Corey Bohorquez, is, was the only guy that came to play. And, and Mason Crosby, who made the field goal at the end of the first half, uh, the, the special teams has been a bugaboo in Green Bay for a long time. So, hey, that's the silver lining, Matt, is the, the special teams actually did a thing. But <laughs> the rest of the team was a disaster. I mean, I, I went back and rewatched and I was like, OK, let me find the silver linings. Elton Jenkins, he played well. I don't know what I mean. I, that's it. That That's the only good thing that you can say that the, the offensive line, I thought, did a decent job overall. The rookies, Josh Myers and Royce Newman, who are coming in and making their first starts. They were solid. According to ESPN's pass block win rate, they were a top 10 uh, pass protecting line. And Aaron Rodgers said after the game, you know, the, the offensive line did a pretty good job. Uh, it didn't seem like that live because Rodgers was was off rhythmically. They didn't have any sort of flow offensively. I thought they got out of the things that that made them so good last year with the misdirection and the jet motions and the play action and all that stuff. It seemed a lot more like 2019 when they were playing this weird hybrid of what Aaron Rodgers wanted to play and what Matt LaFleur wanted to play. Aaron Rodgers was the MVP precisely because he bought into what Matt LaFleur wanted to do, ran that offense and threw on time and in rhythm you know, I was talking to a, a league person uh, the other day and they were like, you know, I, I still think that defense can be a top 10 defense because of the talent. And you're only you you can only be as good defensively as your offense allows you to be. That was his quote, which I thought was a great line. And the offense just they did them no no favors. They had two possessions, Matt, before the two minute drill. They'd run 12 plays. 
So mm. part of that is the defense is, is allowing these long extended drives. Jameis Winston got loose on a couple of third downs to pick up yards with his feet. You don't expect that to happen. Um, but the, the Packers offense were not able, they were not able to make the saints really work that hard at all. And then when they did, when they finally got the chance, I mean, the Packers come out of halftime at 17, three, they go down, they're in the red zone. They're poised to score. And Rogers throws a, a brutal interception that he said was because he took a shot to uh, the family jewels, uh, affected the throw a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, it, would. it would. And, and you're yeah, right. Right. Uh, so, you know, maybe you can just dismiss it. Um, you know, James Jones was, was on the ringer NFL show saying, look, I don't, I don't think this is that big a deal. Sometimes you just, you're out there. I've, I've been in these games with Aaron Rodgers where you just sort of look at the guy next to you and go, we just don't have it today. And I think that was the, the situation the Packers found themselves in. Pete, what do you think of the narrative about Rodgers and this notion that, well, with all the stuff that happened in the off season and the, the, the distraction LaFleur says after the game, we were, we were unprepared. Rogers didn't, didn't necessarily agree with that. How, how much of this Rogers chatter from the summer and everything else affecting week one, do you think is viable? It's a tough question, Matt, because um, I, I, the, the thing that I've been focusing on is not whether or not I think that it affected the Packers. Cause you can have crap games. They've had crap games, but when, when the Packers lose, they get blown out. I mean, this happened in 2019 a couple times. Uh, it happened in 2020 against the Bucks. They just they just don't show up. They get off the bus and they should have stayed on the bus. It's the old Roddy Dangerfield Caddyshack line. I should have stayed home and played with myself. Like that. That's how <laughs> it can feel sometimes because they just if, if if they don't get off to a good start, they knuckle under a little bit, and uh, you, you just you can't have that. Um, you know, I I think Rogers. The reason Rodgers would say it wasn't a matter of preparation is because he prepares as well as anyone. And so he feels like, you know, I, he, that he, maybe he was prepared. It's Matt LaFleur's job to make sure that the team is prepared um, and, and that the plan is right. But the offseason stuff, I've been saying this for weeks. We're going to find out if it matters if the team doesn't play well. If there are moments when they don't play well and they didn't play well uh, week one where those questions are not only going to be asked, but it is going to be 100% fair to ask them. Are we going to know? I don't think so. And, and I, I, maybe we will um, in, in six months when Aaron Rodgers is having his press conference next to John Gruden, talking about how excited he is to play for Las Vegas. <laughs> and then we get the anonymous sources and the quotes and we get those exposés about, hey, this was what was really going on over the last year, year and a half, two years in Green Bay. It happened when Mike McCarthy got fired. There were two separate pieces where, where sources in Green Bay just couldn't wait to spill the tea about what was really going on with Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. And of course, it's all been denied, denied, denied. But there's way too much smoke there to not believe there was fire. And I think we won't find out for sure if it was a factor until later. But Aaron Rodgers opened the door to this. He he allowed us to ask these questions and make them reasonable. Most distractions are nonsense, right? A dist most distractions are are not real. They're excuses. This it's hard to it's hard to think about everything that happened in the offseason. And a guy who said I didn't I didn't know I was all in until 3 days before training camp, have him show up and then not have him play bad and go, "Are we sure he's all in?" Are we sure he's locked in? Are we sure he's committed to being here this season? Mm. I mean, we saw this with the Warriors and Kevin Durant, right? Yeah. Draymond Green and Kevin Durant got in a knockdown dragout 
on the court because everyone assumed Durant was out at the end of the year. I mean, what happens if the Packers are four and six midway through the season? Are there going to be guys in that locker room going, bro, either you're here or you're not? Because if they're four and six, it's because Rodgers is, is playing like 2017, 2018 Rodgers and not 2020 Rodgers. Peter Bukowski locked on Packers. Matt Derry locked on Lions. Talking a little Green Bay and what happened, of course, in, in week one. Um, final thing on, on, on you guys, and we'll talk about predictions in the next segment, but was Jameis good because Jameis had all day or was Jameis good because everybody on the back end w- w- was struggling for the Packers? Uh, it was a little bit of both. Um, and, and I think we have to include Sean Payton being Sean Payton, um, because this was a beautifully schemed offense. He had a great call on fourth and short, um, to, to set up a, another score where they had the Packers had it. I mean, they, they, they thought they had it covered. Maybe it might even been fourth and medium. I think it was like fourth and seven. Yeah, it was. And they called a, a tight end screen and they used jet motion to create some misdirection. And Rashawn Gary took the cheese off the edge. If he creates, you know, 10% more pressure, maybe he can disrupt the throw enough, but they, they created a first down on fourth and seven on a screen. Like that's just good. That's just good scheming. That's good play calling. So I think Sean Payton is going to be able to do that all season. What we weren't sure with Jameis, right. Was can he keep the explosive play abilities while dialing back the WTF moments, the I'm just going to try and make a play and throw into coverage kind of stuff. And he, by and large, did that. The only time he did it, um, the Packers got a pick, but it was negated by one of the all time worst roughing the passer calls you will ever, ever, ever see. It. Oh, it was brutal. And like it was a Zedaria Smith, it was a teaching tape on how you're supposed to hit the quarterback, not right. late not high, not low, didn't drive him to the ground. I mean, it is how you are supposed to Brutal. do it. Um, and, and that, you know, the game was, was, I wouldn't say it was lost, but it was over once that call went like that. I mean, I think the Packers were still down three scores at that point anyway. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it, it's tough to project forward w- with him because you just never know with the variance, right? Um, he, he is such a high variance guy. He can look, he can throw five touchdowns in a weekend and then the next weekend throw three interceptions with two pick sixes. So let's wait to, to coronate him. But I do think he's going to be good. And I thought before the season, I thought the saints were a playoff team. Nothing. I saw week one changes my mind on that. Certainly. All right, let's get some uh, predictions uh, in a second here from myself and Peter. We got to tell you, though, about our friends at betonline.ag. Of course, Thursday Night Football coming your way this evening with the Giants and the WFT. You want to bet on the game? You go to betonline.ag. As always, they are your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. They got a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. It's easy. Go to betonline.ag, head to the website, or use your mobile device. Sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just when you sign up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. Football, basketball, boxing, right up to your favorite Vegas casino games, which they have. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Go there now, folks. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So the Packers and the Lions on Monday night. Bet online has the game as Packers 11 point favorites. And this line clearly reflects um, th- that Las Vegas does not believe 
in what happened on Monday or on, on Sunday in week one for the Packers that they believe this is, this is probably much closer to the game. We thought it was going to be heading into week one. If you look at some of the, the point models that are out there, ESPN, FBI, some of those 10, 11 is right where the number should be. It just seems a little bit weird that a team that lost by 35 would be favored by 10 plus against maybe literally anyone in the NFL in this game, Matt. Yeah. I, I think the line is a little too high, frankly. I think this is going to be a, a touchdown game, even if it is a backdoor cover kind of situation. This is the Packers are going to have to play well if they want to beat the Lions. Well, everybody that bet against the Lions last Sunday, and I was uh, I was pushing a lot of the listeners like, look, this spread seven and a half. I can't believe it. Then when Taylor Decker went out, it went it kept moving up to the point where it was at nine and a half and even 10 at some places right around kickoff. And of course, the Lions, like you mentioned, were down 38 to 10. So uh, everybody, all the sharps that had the. Uh, had the Niners were thinking this is in the bag, and then the Niners, then the Lions start grabbing all these two point conversions, and then they get it from twenty eight down to eight with the football and in uh, yeah. San Francisco territory at the end of the game it was incredible. So they cover the Lions cover on some they didn't cover on the original number seven and a half for people that got it early, but covered for m- most others that had it at eight eight and a half or nine. So this week, I mean, you and I have, have talked over the years. Uh, some of these games where the Lions have gone into Green Bay, it seems like they've played a few of these Monday night games now at Lambeau. Mm-hmm. The one where they got robbed a few years ago, uh, two years ago. I don't I have any the, recollection of that game. The trade, stop. The trade <laughs> Flowers, uh, illegal hands to the face twice uh, game. I remember, Alan, I remember Alan Lazard in that game, Matt. I don't Alan remember. Lazard, Trey Flowers was the, playing that game? Alan Lazard. <laughs> that's one of my bits. Uh, Alan Lazard <laughs> coming out party. Uh, that day for sure. So I'm with you. I I think 11, you know, I could see a 31 21 final or something like that. I, I do think the lions are competing, but secondary now without Okuda, they're not getting to the quarterback. So if you're going to give Rogers time to throw, which they gave Jimmy Garoppolo plenty of time, it could be a long night, but I do think the lions are going to score some points on Monday night. And uh, if they get that ground game going, keep Rodgers off the field, which I think they'll try and do. And you know, Jamal Williams is going to be fired up to go back to Lambeau. So I'm with you. I see a, you know, eight point, nine point, ten point game. I'm not sure about 11 though. The number I had in mind was, was 30 to 21. Um, so we're, you know, you're, you're splitting hairs here, but two points. I mean, if you're getting two points on the line, like you're getting good value in, in that situation. What is, uh, I, I love, I love trying to, trying to figure this out. <laughs> if we're going to make a roadmap for how the lions can go in and steal this game from the Packers and the, the talking head shows and, and likely my show on Tuesday, just go absolutely nuts. What does that game look like? Well, I, I would, I would, first of all, you mentioned special teams. Um, the Lions can't mess up thing. The Lions kick return game last weekend was atrocious. Mm. Um, they Good were news for Green bobbling Bay. Ball, bobbling their, balls their everywhere. They're always terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Cybert went one for two on field goals. It, it just, it feels weird to see him wear Jason Hansen's number four. Mm. Uh, Jack Fox is a, is a weapon. So the punting game, Jack is, is probably the team MVP. Uh, and there will have to be some gimmicks. So I think when the Lions, Played at Lambeau, was it two years ago, the flea flicker play, like right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Stafford went deep to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, pull, 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 some, pull, out, pull out all the stops. I'll give Anthony Lynn credit. This wasn't just your old Lions uh, snap out of the gun and hand to the running back offense. They had things moving. Guy, multiple guys in motion, pre-snap motion. 
if Anthony Lynn continues to show some creativity, uh, the Lions are going to have to gimmick it up a little bit to win, and that, that would be what I guess they would do. We, we didn't see that from the Packers like at all last week. And I was very surprised. They were one of the heaviest pre-snap motion teams in the league last year. We didn't see that the, the running game was not very creative. Nothing was very creative for the Packers on offense or defense. And um, th- that's why I just, I sort of felt like it was there. It was like, they were treating it like their fourth preseason game. I think they thought they were going to go out there and just roll them. And I think yeah. that was the, the perspective. Hey, we're a Super Bowl team. It's the last dance. We're going to go win a Super Bowl. You know, the, the saints don't have their guys. So we, we, we can just go, we can just show up and do the thing. Hopefully that's not how they are viewing this, uh, this weekend. So they, they can take this Lions team a little bit more seriously. I think it helps that it's a divisional opponent. Um, and, and I think, yeah, I think 30 to 21 is the number that I am going to stick with. Uh, and, and I think, I think the Packers take it, but I, I do think that this, this Lions team is, is going to be tough. It's just to your point about the 49ers, I think at a certain point, it will just be clear there is a talent difference between these two teams sure. yeah. and, and and that's going to show up. If, if both teams play their best, it's hard to imagine the, the lions being, being in the game, but, but they don't always play their best. And, and that's the, that's the problem for the Packers and that's the opening for, for the lions. So it should be a, uh, a good way to, to kick off the, the season at Lambeau field, a, a packed house for the first time since Packers Seahawks back in the 2019 season when they won that playoff game so uh gonna be gonna be a fun atmosphere and we'll get to see this new lions team this new look lions team under the bright lights should be a lot of fun matt can't wait pete always love talking to you my friend and uh we'll do it again later in the year